Tonight as I stand here, I realize what day of the year it is, New Year's. I can stand here and say, Happy New Year. But instead, I have something better. I want to show you God's plan for true happiness. God has always wanted men to be happy. And I hear people make a statement sometimes, well, God wants me to be happy, so I'm going to go do this sinful act that I want to do to be happy. What a shame. That is not true happiness. God created man to be happy. God wanted him to be happy, and he gave the instructions for our happiness. In two avenues, I want to discuss with you tonight for a little while. First of all, the family, and secondly, the church that he gave for our happiness. God created the first man, Adam. In Genesis, the first chapter, beginning at verse number 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all of the earth, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he male and female, created he them. God created every human being. First of all, it was by a miracle. In Genesis 2 and verse number 7, he said, And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, you men about with me tonight, you're just a bunch of dirt. God created man out of dirt. But he did woman a little better. He took one of those ribs of Adam's and made a woman and brought her unto Adam. And he said, now this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of man. We all have a creator that created us and put us here for our well-being and for our happiness. I want to talk first of all about the husbands. I told a young lady a while ago I was going to talk about the women. Well, I am. Just give me time. Husbands. We have a God-given responsibility. In Genesis 3 and verse number 16. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. I know there's a lot of women today that do not respect God's way. There are a lot of women today that are unhappy because they do not expect respect God's way. But does that bring happiness when we put ourselves in the plan that God has given us? Ladies, and I know that you fit this role, but I ask the question to others. Do you really want happiness? Then follow God's plan for that happiness. And then to the husbands, Paul said in Ephesians 5, Husband, love your wives. 
even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. What does that mean for us that are husbands tonight? How much love does that encompass? Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. We have a God-given responsibility, and we need to fulfill that. In verse 28, he said, So men ought to love, ought to, so men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of the body of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they two shall be one flesh. Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. We have a God-given responsibility. And then to the wives, may I say, with the word of God, Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse number 22, he said, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. And then he didn't quit there. He said, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. I want to ask you tonight, has God's plan changed? Or are these rules still in effect? I plan to believe that they are still God's plan for men and women today. And then Paul gave some instruction for us old fellas. In Titus, the second chapter. Beginning at verse number one, he said, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in the faith, and in charity, in patience. He said, The aged women likewise. That they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. To be discreet, chaste, keepers of at home, good obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, 
having no evil thing to say of you. You know, for years I wondered why in the world it was important that the older women teach the younger women to love their husbands. Do you know why? Because one day, the woman and the man were brought together and said, this is your husband. They had arranged marriages. So it was necessary for the older women to teach the younger women to love their husbands. We don't live in that kind of a situation today, but it was important to them. And those characteristics that we just read, the older men, the older women, we have a responsibility to the young people of our congregation every day. And then there are the children. Genesis 1 and verse number 28, God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. The role of a family is to bring children into this world and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over everything that creepeth upon the earth. God has a plan. That plan is to be followed. We are to bring children into this world and they are to be special. But to the children, God said, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. I think of this term, honor. That doesn't quit when they're departed. I looked at the calendar, and my dad has been gone for 59 years. And I still honor him for who he was and what he was. My mother was a hard-working mother. She's been gone for 51 years. And she brought nine of us into this world. We honor them for what they are, for who they were, and what they have done for us. A few days before my dad passed away, I went to his bedside and I thanked him. I said, Dad, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for raising the family the way you did. Every one of them were members of the Lord's family. What a way to raise children. Children can be such a blessing, and they can be such a heartache. But you know, a lot of that depends on our parenting ability. In Psalms 127th chapter and verses 3 through 5 said, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of the mighty man, so are children of the youth. 
Happy is the man that have his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. But they shall speak with the members, enemies in the gate. What does that say? Children are a heritage of the Lord. He said, as a man has errors, and he puts that in a bow and pulls it back and turns it loose, it's going to go where he aims it. He said, so children are just like that. They're going to grow up and be where you point them, where you guide them, and so it's our responsibility to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But the wise man also had something to say about the children. He said in Proverbs 22 and verse number 25, he said, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. We see that, don't we? But he said, The rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Oh, I've had parents tell me, Oh, we don't do that. Why? Do you reject God's wisdom? Proverbs 23, verse 22. Hearken unto the, thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother which is, when she is old. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise son shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that begat thee shall rejoice. Children make parents happy when we see them going in the way that they should go. Again in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 13 and 14 said, Withhold not correction from the child, for thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. And you tell me the rod of correction is not important. Proverbs 29, beginning at verse number 15, he said, The rod and reproof give wisdom. But the child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. You turn your children loose and let them go do whatever they want to, mama's going to be ashamed of it one of these days because that child will not be what he ought to be. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yeah, he shall give delight unto thy soul. I was talking to my son a few days ago. And he's a lot older than I expect him to be. Somewhere around 60. And you know what he told me? He said, Dad, do you remember that time you took me out and gave me a whipping at church? And I said, I sure do. And then he said, you gave me another one before we went back in. I said, I sure did. I said, do you remember why? He said, absolutely. 
I gave him a whipping and he went to crying and he wouldn't shut up so we could go back in. So I gave him another to take care of that. And the man is that old and he remembers what happened way back then. But you know what? I never did have to take him out again. You take him out there and do your work, you won't have to go out there a dozen times during one service. The rod of correction is that important. Proverbs 13 and verse number 24 said, He that spareth his rod hateth his son. But he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Do we accept God's way? Or do we want to do it our way? Now to the young children. One admonition for you tonight, if I may. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse number 1 said, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil, evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Young people, whatever you do in life, if you haven't made the decision to be a Christian, make that while you have the time and the opportunity. That will bring joy and happiness to your life beyond measure. And that will bring you into the church relationship that we enjoy so much tonight. You remember Jesus said upon this rock, I will build my church. And he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But you know what? There is someone else in the church business. Somebody said, Brother D, what do you mean? Read Revelation 2 and verse number 9. Speaking to this congregation, he said, I know thy works, tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Satan is in the church business. We have to be careful who we listen to. Because Jesus tells us the truth and the devil tells us a lie. So let us be careful to whom we listen. But the church was established for our happiness, for our joy and contentment as we live upon this earth. Why is that? I want to read a few verses in Acts, the second chapter Beginning at verse number 22, the apostle Peter standing here on the day of Pentecost preached to these people and he said, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. And we're on down in that chapter, verse number 36. 
Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We know about the church. We're blessed, brothers and sisters, to be here tonight. This is the greatest kingdom on earth. How many times in our studies around my table, I have told that group of people, this kingdom of God is greater than we can begin to imagine. We are blessed to live in the United States of America, yes, but that is a small thing compared to the blessings that we have in the kingdom of God. This is God's kingdom, brothers and sisters. Let's remember that always. It's for our happiness, it's for our contentment, and it's to take us home to glory after a while. What else could we hope for? And you realize what Jesus paid for this? Do you? Acts 20 and verse number 28. Take heed therefore unto thyself and all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made over you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. When I look out at this audience tonight, I see a lot of different faces. We're all different. We're all different human beings. But I see a group of people that have been blood-bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. That makes us one in the family of God. Every one of you are my brothers and sisters. I love you and I appreciate you and I hope you do likewise. Jesus told the apostles that they were to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He wanted everyone to be saved. He wanted them to hear the gospel, that they might believe that gospel, that they might repent of their sins, that they might confess the name of Jesus Christ and be baptized and added unto that church. That gives us a brand new life in Jesus Christ. In Romans 6, verses 3 and 4, he said, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized in Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. This is a new life. Free from sin, children of God, heaven is our home after a while. What more could we want from a loving Savior? It's described our relationship, and I want you to read with me carefully. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse number 22. But you are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God to a heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, 
and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. What a description, brothers and sisters, of where we are tonight. We are in a heavenly Jerusalem. To an innumerable company of angels. Have you ever thought about that? And have you ever thought, may I ask, of what you think those angels are for? I want to clarify this just a moment. <clears throat> In Hebrews, the first chapter, verses 13 and 14, he said, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand till I make thy enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. What are this innumerable company of angels for? Brothers and sisters, they're for us that shall be heirs of salvation. We need to stop and realize what we have today innumerable company of angels. The heavenly Jerusalem. And as he concluded that rating in the 28th verse of that chapter, he said, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence, and godly fear. What blessings, brothers and sisters, that we have. And in that kingdom we are to live in peace. Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 11. Paul said, finally brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. What blessings we have that are innumerable, that are beyond our imaginations. But then we have this challenge. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. One other scripture along this line in 1 Timothy 3 and verse number 15, there the apostle said, but if I tarry long that thou knowest how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. I thank God for these men that are sitting in this audience tonight that wear the term of our elders. They contend earnestly for the truth. Nothing but the truth. And that's where we need to stand tonight. The church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. 
It's the foundation. It's the support of truth. You go down the road and there's no other institution in this country that can support the truth except the church of our Lord governed by the eldership that are so set to be exactly what the Lord wants us to be. I want to close with this reading. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning at verse number 5. The writer said, Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. What words, what encouragement, what we have in Jesus Christ. But he also continued and he said, Remember them that have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you again, elders, for your leadership, for your devotion to the truth. And may we always remember that you have the rule over us, that you tell us the word of God, and may we follow your admonition explicitly. But he also said, don't be cared about with every wind of doctrine. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them, which have been accepted therein. It's my thoughts for the evening. May God bless you. Hope you can find a way to have complete happiness in your life. If you're here tonight and you're not happy with your life, then maybe you need to make some changes. If you haven't obeyed the gospel to become a child of God and added to the family of God, tonight is the night you need to do that. You don't have a promise of the rising of another son. Behold, now is the accepted time. The scripture said, behold, now is the day of salvation. What does the word now say to you? This present moment. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day that you have to get your heart right with God. And if it isn't, would you come while together we stand and sing.